Mother Nature keeps messing with the big Braves-Mets series. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. If we actually had any scores, but we don't because we haven't played a baseball game since Friday. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano coming to us from New York City. And the Braves keep getting rained out, but our show will not be. Our show will not be rained out. We don't have the scores, but we have the stories. Because every week we've got a big catalog of those, so we're uh, we're gonna let it rip. And Jay, this feels like a special edition of the Braves Report, just because I feel well rested more so than like usually we're doing this after the Sunday game. Compared to what I usually do, I feel like I haven't worked in two days. Well, uh, we, we, we will put you to work uh, because we do have a lot to discuss, even though uh, the Braves have not been able to get in a game since Friday. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about how they're going to have to adjust to deal with these two rainouts. Plus, we'll also dig into why the top of Atlanta's rotation may be better than advertised. And a little later, we've got a deep dive coming up into Marcelo Zuna's struggles and how the Braves are trying to fix them. Is there anything to worry about with Atlanta's bullpen? And finally, the answers to your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the show. Welcome aboard, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. And all right, so today is the first day of May, and that means it's time to start thinking about Mama. Got a couple of weeks before Mother's Day, so go ahead and start planning now on how you're going to make that day special. And your local Kroger store is here to help. They've got flowers. They've got the candy. They've got the wine. And they've even got self-care items all in the same place. Also, you can build your brunch buffet with the help of Kroger selections to make mom happy. So to get everything you need for May 14th, head to your local Kroger store or get to shopping online at Kroger.com slash Mother's Day. That is Kroger.com slash Mother's Day. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Justin, first thing I want to know is uh, what does everybody do on a baseball team with two days off? Oh, God. I mean... I feel like you you hear about the old school reporters and how they used to go out with the players and eat with the players <laughs> and drink with the players. More like the 70s and 80s sorts of things. Now, I feel like players don't go out as much, especially when it's like this rainy, especially in a very busy city. I honestly think that they're probably just kind of holed up in the hotel room, watch Netflix. A lot of them play video games. I would assume like the modern day player just kind of keeps, you know, to themselves with with their teammates and stuff like that. But I think they're probably holed up uh, wherever they're staying here in Manhattan. It, it is a strange vibe, though, right? Because how often do you get one off day? They were in a stretch of 17 straight days with games before an off day on May 8th. And now they've got two days off. And this was kind of the weird series anyway, because there's a game on Monday. Now it's going to actually pay off. Yeah, the weird wraparound that you don't usually see. And if you do, it's on holidays, right? If I'm yep. thinking correctly, like Memorial Day, Labor Day, things like that. Um, you don't usually see the wraparound. But now, you know, next time we talk, the Braves and the Mets could have gotten three or four of these games in. And I've been here this entire weekend. And that would be a win. Because since Friday, it literally has not stopped raining. I mean, it stopped late Saturday night into Sunday morning. But Sunday's forecast was so bad that they postponed the game four hours before first pitch. Uh, so, I mean, it has not stopped raining. It's been it's been really, really bad. And I've obviously, having lived here before, know that it is unlike Atlanta. And that a lot of times when it says it's going to rain it's probably going to rain pretty good when the forecast is that bad. But that Monday game is going to allow him, it's going to be clear, it's going to allow him to get three or four in by the time people listen to this. Well, it's three or four, but it's kind of like two and a half out of four because Braves did get Friday's game in, but it was only five innings. Max Fried did get the five-inning shutout, and the bullpen is a little rested. Not to have to warm anybody up, especially after yesterday, and using everybody and 
as taxed as these guys have been. That was really, really nice. That was the two advantages of Friday. I also kind of vote for chaos. Now I want the Braves to win the National League East by one game against the Mets and have that one game be a five-inning game. <laughs> yeah, that if you're the Braves, that worked out perfectly. And if you're the Mets, you're probably cursing the Braves and whatever luck you think they have. Mets fans have been probably screaming about that for a day or two. So... David Peterson and Max Fried go into the fifth inning with dueling shutouts. And then with two outs, Ronald Acuna shoots one through the right side. Then Matt Olson hits a bomb to the Shea Bridge. Just like that, it's 4-0. Max Fried comes out, pitches a shutout inning uh, in the driving rain, and then it's called. Braves don't have to use their bullpen. Their starters get extra rest. It worked out basically as perfectly as it could, but yes. Um, and I'm going to throw out something interesting for you here. So a little look over to the Mets beat. Mike Puma from the New York Post reported that the game, which was delayed for an hour and 28 minutes before it was finally called, that in that time, the Mets tried to lobby the umpires two separate times, and they tried to keep extending that delay. Um, the reason being, well... The Mets saw what happened on Thursday when yep. the Braves were up 4-0 in the ninth inning against the Marlins and lost 5-4. The Mets themselves wanted to crack at that bullpen, especially after a couple hours of a delay. No dice. It kept raining. Braves won game one. And, uh, Jade, this is, yeah, the perfect time to, to root for chaos. Does this come at a good time for the Braves to get a couple of days off, with that, especially with how much is coming up later? Yeah, I think that... You never want maybe, you know, two days off in a row, but one day for sure. They were playing 17, you know, straight days with games until their next off day. They've had tough stretches, a couple road trips in there, and the bullpen was taxed, uh, overworked, still no Rysele Iglesias. Colin McHugh just returned this past week. So guys have been kind of moving up a seat, taking any job, you know, they're given or pitching wherever. They're told to pitch, um, and the bullpen was taxed, and it had struggled a little bit, specifically A.J. Minter. Um, so I do think it comes at a good time, especially to get those starters an extra day of rest. And if you'll notice, like times throughout the season, sometimes the Braves will give their starters an extra day of rest. They'll bring up an extra guy here or there if they can to get their starters an extra day and keep those guys upright, keep them fresh. Um, they'll look, they always sort of look to mix that in, it seems like, uh, whenever they can, whenever it makes sense. Now they just did it naturally. And here's this. Uh, for now, well, I guess they're playing two Monday, so it's still one game that's going to be pushed off to August. This is one fewer game that you have to navigate without Rysel Iglesias if you're the Braves. Um, and it's one fewer game that you have to kind of line up that bullpen for. So I think it helps. And it's one fewer game you would have to worry about Max Scherzer. Yeah, Max Scherzer, who, uh, <laughs> who had... Quite the controversy in L.A. there with uh, he was ejected and then subsequently suspended 10 games for a foreign substance on his hand. He denies any wrongdoing. But as we always have to clarify, this is a 10 game suspension, not a 10 day suspension. So if the Mets aren't playing, one game doesn't come off of that shirt of suspension. Jay, he was slated to go Monday. The Braves now will be out of town when he is eligible to pitch. So it'll be uh, Strider and Morton on Monday. Strider will get the first one. Uh, who are the Mets going to run out? Yeah, so they will go with uh, Denny Reyes um, in game one, and they're going to go Tyler McGill for game two. McGill is a guy who had a promising rookie season a couple years ago, didn't find the footing he wanted last year, uh, but he's got good stuff. I mean, he looked good toward the beginning of last year um, in a season that kind of got away from him a little bit, so... We'll see what happens, but the Mets have kind of struggled with the rotation. They optioned David Peterson following Friday night's game. They haven't had Justin Verlander yet. Max Scherzer now serving that suspension. Carlos Carrasco has not looked great. Kodai Senga has looked pretty good, um, but the Mets have some questions in their rotation, um, and the Braves are going to get out of here having not faced Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, or Kodai Senga. I know it was only five innings, but you know how much have you been able to learn from the Mets outside of their rotation is not where they wanted to be right now. In our, I'm going to flashback 
for loyal listeners to our NL preview podcast with Gabe Burns. I said I thought the Mets were vulnerable. I brought up the rotation, which is not particularly young. And then I remember I brought up the lineup, I believe. And my fear, if I were a Mets fan, my fear about the lineup would be this. Pete Alonso scares you, right? Who else scares you in that lineup? Francisco Lindor, if he's hitting? Brett Beatty has some pop in that bat. So does Francisco Alvarez, but the kids are, you know, they're going to need time. But man, I just... Jeff McNeil scares you in a different way. Exactly. Yeah, Jeff McNeil is a, a bat-to-ball king. Um, and the current, you know, reigning batting champ. I think they have a really good lineup. So I feel like I'm parsing it or I'm being too picky. I just don't think the lineup scares you in the way the Braves does. Because, look... You've got Ronald Acuna who can put one out. You've got Matt Olson who can put one out. You've got Austin Riley who can put one out. Michael Harris has power. Ozzie Albies. You go, you know, Sean Murphy is OPSing almost 1,000. Um, you go up and down that Braves lineup, and you see guys who can change the game with one swing. I go up and down the Mets lineup, and so it's, sort, it's a good lineup. It's a really good lineup. In fact, it's a great lineup. I just think it's more feast or famine. Because if Pete Alonso's not hitting for power, I don't know where else it comes from reliably on a consistent basis. And so I saw them for five innings. I'm not going to make any determinations. And it was five innings in the rain. It's very difficult to hit in the rain. The Mets are a good team. Um, they're scrappy. I think the clubhouse is better than it's been. The environment's better than it's been. Um, and I think under Steve Cohen, they've turned a new corner. This is a different Mets team. But I just think that still there, there's something that separates them and the Braves in terms of the roster. Um, and I think that I, I didn't the five innings didn't do anything to change that. But like I said, it's it's only five innings. I'm not going to make any determinations on that. We'll see how it plays out throughout the rest of the season. But through kind of keeping up with the Mets because they're in the division this first month, all the things that I was worried about probably have not gone away. Someone who apparently does look good in five innings and does look good in the rain is Max Freed, who has done nothing but look good since he came back from his opening day injury. During your layoff, you had a sim outing and then jumped right back into it. What do you think, how have you been able to achieve this level of success after being down? Not try to do too much. Um, being very honest with myself, knowing that I probably wasn't going to be the sharpest, but if I gave, uh, you know, just... If I threw the ball over the plate and gave him a chance and let our defense kind of do their thing, that um, hopefully things would go my way. Um, a lot of the times, you know, you notice that walks really hurt you. So if you try to limit the walks and give the free passes, then um, you know, it's really hard to string three, four hits in an inning. So uh, just trying to stay on the attack and you know, not not to be be too hard on myself, knowing that you know, you know I wasn't going to be as sharp as I probably would like to be. This is an arbitrary bar, but hey, that's how statistics work. Among starters with 20 innings, which, how, which is how many Max Fried has right now, Max leads the league in ERA with 0.45. Spencer Strider is third at 1.80. Yeah, and that's uh, pretty good. You go um, from the sim outing, no rehab start, off the IL. That's 16 and two-thirds scoreless innings, and not just 16 and two-thirds two scoreless innings, but 16 and two-thirds scoreless innings against the Padres, the Astros, and the Mets. Back to back to back. Three teams we think are going to be contenders um, and who should be contenders. And so <laughs> it's been about as good as you could have hoped. When we talked about Max Fried's injury three weeks ago, we said, okay, hopefully for Max, this is a bump in the road. Hopefully it's something where, like 2021, he comes back strong and he's got the opportunity because he knocked it out to have a wonderful season. And that's what's going on so far. And then you look at number three on that list, as you mentioned, that's the same Spencer Strider who said a couple times ago that he wasn't pitching up to his standard. And uh, he was still pretty good back then. Now he just has happened to set a Braves record for the most consecutive games with at least nine strikeouts, passing John Smoltz. He's got nine of them. He's eyeing Nolan Ryan. That's uh, some pretty good company. Only seven people in baseball history have had nine straight starts with nine or more strikeouts. Uh, were you the only person in Atlanta on Monday rooting against Spencer uh, to not throw that no-hitter because you were not there? 
<laughs> that I was I was laughing so hard about that because I was yeah I was at my apartment. I had a day off after working um, some straight days in a row. Gabe Burns was there, and uh, I'll be darned to say it lightly if Gabe was going to cover that no hitter or that potential perfect game. No, I, I did feel bad for Spencer because man, he was rolling, and I looked at my phone about, geez, it was like eight twenty. And, I, and I'm like, wow, Spencer's already threw five or six, like, perfect. It, and it was breezing by. I was like, this could this be the night? Like, obviously, I wasn't there. But people who were there said it felt like, you know, other reporters said it. It felt like it was going to happen. Um, and so, yeah, you obviously, like, I want all these guys to do well or every player on every team. I want, you know, I want everybody to eat, as they say. Uh, so for him, I felt bad. But for me, I was like, dude, you can't tell me that I've been on this beat now being on the second year. I'm at most of I'm at 140 games a year, basically 135, whatever it ends up being for the regular season. And I miss a Spencer Strider no hitter, the first of his career. But here's what I'll tell you about Spencer is it made me think of Jacob deGrom in the in like the first half of 2021 specifically, where he was so good through those first 10, 11, 12 starts that every time he took the mound, the Marlins or the Nationals or any other mediocre team seemed so overmatched that you wondered if that night was going to be the night. And Spencer Strider comes with the same air. He comes with the same magic to him about like, wow, you could see something special tonight because he's on the mound. Um, He makes it look effortless. He makes it look easy. He overpowers guys. Um, and throwing his his max effort looks like he's doing it effortlessly, which is really really special. But he comes with that same air about him that you think he could make history every time he makes the mound or takes the mound in that way. And uh, I, but yes, I was like, I was definitely thinking in the seventh inning. I'm like, dude, you got making dinner. I'm like, you can't be serious. I was like, there's no way that I I'm not gonna be there for that no hitter. The first thing he talked about you know, coming off the mound was the fact that he actually got into the eighth inning. You know, I'm just grateful that I made it that deep in the game, to be honest with you. I mean, to get through four without walking a guy to me is like, you know, a good day. So, um, you know, we, we, we threw strikes, attacked. Murph called a great game. Um, you know, and so when you when you do that stuff well, the little things, throw first strikes and that kind of stuff, it, it goes well usually. It was finally that combination that was only been the, the biggest knock about Strider in his rookie year was he didn't make it deep into the ball game, but he was dominant when he was out there. We finally seen the dominance and the length. Yeah, and I think he can do that. Um, there's a part of it that and I know he's talked about this, and like there's a part of it that is inevitable with him, right? Because if you're a strikeout guy, how many strikes do you need for a strikeout? Three. That's three pitches right there. And that, so 10 strikeouts is 30 pitches. And so there's a almost a feeling of inevitability like, okay, he can't afford to walk guys, obviously, like nobody can, but he's not like a ground ball pitcher. He's not the guy who's just out there throwing a sinker, hoping to get guys to beat it on the ground. He is great because he can miss bats and he strikes out so many guys, but that also means that your pitch count naturally gets a little bit more driven up um, if you're not striking out the side. Now we finally saw it in one game as we have a few times throughout his young career. It is splendid, isn't it? It's something to watch, something to behold when he goes out there and he's hurling it like that and then making it deep into a game. It seems like, man, when there's a starter like that going and he can go seven or eight innings, doesn't it feel like he just controls the game? It it almost feels like a point guard or a shooting guard scoring 40 points. If you're the opposing team, you better hope he leaves the game down one and that you get to the bullpen because there is nothing you can do when he's got a three, four run lead and he's pitching like that. You're just not going to hit him. And you'll hear guys talk about it. And I think with Strider, his fastball has what you call ride. And that makes it look like an optical illusion in a sense. It's coming right at you and then it dives up toward the top of the zone, jumps up, and you can't hit it. And the conundrum for hitters is if he's spotting it at the top of the zone, you've got no chance. Because you're not going to hit it. You're not really going to catch up to it there. You have to get him down, but there's no way to do that unless he's missing at the top of the zone. And with Spencer, you look at some of those at-bats, he dots them right at the top of the zone. And like the command is incredible. And just the stuff is electric, but he knows where it's going and he knows how to pinpoint it. And he... um, Is this guy the best pitcher in baseball? Like, I think it's a little early. We need to see more, but 
who is who would you take over him in a game seven? The only knock is that he doesn't often go deep, and that's you know he he can go deep. I mean, I don't know, like he he's got to be up there, right? Top three, top four. That guy who uh, pitches before him in the rotation, uh, not too bad either. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a great battle for the Justin Toscano Cy Young Award. Oh my God, I. It's it, it will be funny if we look back on our end of season Braves 2023 season podcast wrap up and hopefully hopefully we'll call it something that doesn't take 10 words like I just did. Um, if I pick Spencer Strider and Max Fried wins, that'll be funny to me that I got it, <laughs> because it's like how often can you get a guy like, oh, I picked a guy on the team of the guy who actually won. That just goes to show how good the rotation is. And man, when I counted Jay, so... Before Bryce Elder gave up four runs on Wednesday, yeah, that was Wednesday, the Braves starters had compiled 12 straight games where everyone had allowed three run, three earned runs or fewer. Um, that's And I'm not saying all of them were quality starts, which have to go six innings at least, but that's pretty good. When your starting pitching is giving you that kind of chance with the type of lineup you have, you're going to be successful. All right, coming up, uh, we talked about the, the good stuff of this week. Now let's get to what's kind of been that nightmare start for Marcel Ozuna. And uh, Justin will go to the source to figure out how the Braves are trying to get their DH right. And what's up with A.J. Minner? This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers. So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Right, this has been a big, big week for Atlanta sports. We have a uh, bunch of Atlanta sports podcasts here in the AJC Podcast Network. Uh, if you want to find out what happened with the Hawks and how they're going to advance going forward, head over to the Hawks Report. we got a show coming out on Tuesday wrapping up what was not the best season, but there is reason for optimism in Atlanta. Lauren Williams will take you through that. And, of course, we've got the Bowtie Chronicles, the big Falcons draft. The dean of the Atlanta Falcons beat D. Orlando Ledbetter. We'll break down every pick that the, the Falcons have and how they will fit into that system. So for all of our podcasts, make sure you head over to AJC com slash podcast and one of the things we're trying to do with this show is yeah you know we've got the stats we you see what happens on tv but why is it happening and how do the braves try to make those adjustments and fix things and you know the braves have could not ask for a much better start this season but it's been nightmare fuel for marcelo zuna hitting 085 with five hits in the entire month of april i just i just walk in every day and come Come with the empty mind every day to add everything that I need to to success, and that's what I do every day. Like working harder. I know, I know, and I have a bad moment, but I don't want to be in the in the bad hole that, that I'm that, I'm, that I am right now. So I just had to continue working harder, grinding up, and then. Let's see what happens. Justin, you spent uh, some time with Marcelo Zuna earlier this week and his hitting coach, Kevin Seitzer, because, you know, to me, this is this is a fascinating question and situation. When a major leaguer and, and a former all-star and an MVP candidate gets in this big of a hole, how do you fix it? Yeah. Um, so a little behind the scenes on this, because we like to take you behind the scenes. I think... The one one of the tenets that I have for myself and I how I do the job is if you're writing about somebody, a story like that, some sort of deeper thing or important story, you talk to the person. So that's why I went up to Marcelo Zuna. like I wanted to get his thoughts because I didn't want to write something about him struggling or his future with the team without hearing from him um, because he's somebody that we haven't obviously talked to after games a lot of times. And so what I learned is this, Jay. Marcel said, you know, hey. He comes to the, you know, comes to the ballpark. 
He works in the cage. He works at BP. And then the game comes, and it speeds up. The adrenaline gets to be a lot. And that's what hitting coach Kevin Seitzer said. You've got a guy who hasn't struggled like this for this span, this long of a span in his career. And now he cares so much. That's what Kevin Seitzer said. He cares so much that now he's working harder and he's caring more and he's trying harder and he's wanting it more. And that's leading to worse results. And it's leading to him. I don't even want to say pressing, but just wanting to get out of this funk. He cares so much that, you know, and wants to help the team that it's just going the opposite way. It's going south. And that's a little bit about what Marcel said. He, to me, he likened it to a stretch he had in 2015 where the Marlins sent him down. And he said when he I asked him, you know, what changed? And he said, when I went down, I just started having fun. And that's what I need to do now is like have fun, take the pressure off it, be the Marcelo Zun I need to be. But one thing I thought was interesting was when you listen to the audio, focus on what Kevin Seitzer says about his own career, Jay. I thought that was fascinating for him to say, hey, I went through it. I was good at the beginning of my career. Then I stunk. I got released twice. And he uses that message now to help his hitters. And Marcelo Zuna is a guy like when he was going, he was one of the best hitters in baseball, one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball. What is he? We don't know. Will the power ever come back? And it's a fascinating and honestly kind of sad case of a guy who is really on this slide and he doesn't know how to get himself out. And the one thing I recognize is that you can tell that he really, really, really does care and that pressure is is hurting him a little bit. All right, so here's this week's Clubhouse Conversation with uh, Justin and Brace hitting coach Kevin Seitzer. Like everybody you talk to says the guy works really hard and he cares a lot. What, what things have you seen that might lead you to be encouraged that there's still kind of some of that old guy in there? Well, the last three weeks of spring training, he was in a great place. And as, as good as I could ask for going into the season. And then that guy that worked so hard and cared so much and tried so hard started caring too much and trying too hard. And that's what's leading to where he's at right now. And so it's, it's, it's a tough combination to where it's still try hard but care less. You know, care less about the results. You you wanna you wanna go stay within yourself and not try and hit the ball in the seats. And it's not that he's trying to hit the ball in the seats, he's just trying to do really good and help the team and and then the more you struggle, the harder you try and then the worse it gets. And that's right. that's kinda where he's at in a nutshell right now. Right. He mentioned he mentioned that to me, like just care you know, he really wants to do well. Like why yeah. wouldn't you? As a coach, how tough is that to get the message across to a guy who has never struggled this degree? I mean, he's been right. one of the best hitters in the league. Yeah, and that's you just have to keep having conversations. It's the, you know, the the shrink part of me that has to come out and try and try and get the brain into a place where it's more calm, to where they're controlling their emotions. They're, you know, a lot of times hitting coaches will say just relax go up there and relax well you can't go relax when you're at war in that batter's box you got 95 coming at you and secondary stuff can't relax but you control your emotions and stay within yourself and that's that's where i'm trying to get him to to be less concerned about getting to pitches in pulling the ball too much he's not able to stay on secondary stuff the way he needs to he's got to stay more sold out in the middle of the field to where he lets the lets the off-speed stuff travel. And he's he's out front, he's early, swinging too hard on fastballs, and he's either beating them into the ground or he's fouling them off. And so it's a, it's a place where all hitters go through spurts, but we just got to get him rolling to get him out of this. Right. So the natural, the, the kind of the way to do that from your vantage point, one, calm down a little bit, you know, care less, I guess. Right. And then try to stay through the middle of the field instead of right. worrying about all the right. auxiliary things. Right. And, you know, no no hitter goes up there and, and oh, yeah. thinks it's okay to get jammed, but that's a, almost the mentality that you have to have because the more you're ready to get to a, a heater end, the more sped up you get, and then you can't wait on the off-speed stuff, and you're missing your pitches out over the plate that are good pitches to hammer. So it's... It's, it's being more disciplined as far as his game plan goes and his approach of where he's trying to hit the ball. And that's, you know, that's the challenging part. And, you know, every time he gets a chance to go, he's trying to do really good because he wants to keep playing. And it just, you know, 
it's a it's been a tough spiral for him to start the season. So it seems like just from all of that, you think some of that that old Marcel's still in there. He just there, gotta, just got to you know he's not he's not. I mean, de- you know, no decline. This is this is coming from a guy who was really good at the start of his career and then stunk for four years and got released twice and then was able to to finish up really good after that, made an all-star team after. So I use my struggles and successes to help with the message for them and how my mentality had to change because it was caring so much, trying so hard, working so hard, got me released twice and I stunk. And then it was like, okay, if I go over 400, it's not because I don't care and I'm not working and I'm not prepared. And if I go 400 for 400 and God doesn't want me in the big leagues, I ain't going to be in the big leagues, you know? So it's like it was for me coming to a place of peace and contentment where I was just thankful to have a uniform on my back again. And that was a message I shared with him yesterday. And so, you know, it, he's like, I, he goes, that's. That's where I'm at. I said, I thought I lost my swing. Thought I had no confidence. I thought it was gone. And, you know, all hitters, when they go through lengthy struggles, which it's been a couple years for him since he's since he's done what he did in 2020, which should have won MVP, could have been co-MVP with Freddie. And, and then he's been, he's been struggling to get it going since. And all that does is just beats on your confidence. And, you know, it's a... It's a tough go, and, and he's a he's very strong mentally, he's very strong emotionally, but he's got a huge heart and cares so much. And then you know it's dealing with the booing and all of that stuff. You know breaks my heart too because all that does is adds more pressure to what he's already feeling. He wants to do good to help the team number one, and you know get back on the road that he's he's traveled most of his career. I mean, this dude's been a really good hitter with power his whole career, yeah. and now we're we're having a hard time getting any of it back. So right. it's just an ongoing process. It is kind of shocking that only two players since 1985 have started a season this bad. Yeah, um, Leody Tavares and Brady Anderson are the other two. And when I wrote this story that published Wednesday, Marcelo Zuna among hitters with at least 60 plate appearances had the worst batting average, the third worst OPS and the worst war on fan graphs. He had a negative 0.7 wins above replacement. And it's, I, I thought it was really intriguing to kind of dive into it with sites because He's somebody who's around Azuna every day and he sees how much he cares and how that hurts a hitter when like you're working too hard and you start trying harder. Often you can't do that in baseball. It's like golf, right? Like you if you get upset and emotional and you're trying harder, you can't do that. And then yeah, and then you do throw in the booing. And I asked Marcel Azuna about that and he said that, hey, you know, sometimes it can be good because it, it you it know, you know, you know that the fans expect more of you. And he expects that of himself. I mean, you can tell that this is a guy who desperately wants to be good. Like, he doesn't want to be in this slide. He does care. It's just not working right now. And I think that's the question nobody can answer um, because nobody's got a crystal ball is, will that power ever come back? You heard sites say, now we're having a tough time, you know, getting any of that back. Who knows if it'll come back? How much more patience can they have? I think a bit, a decent amount. I think the Braves see it like this. He's already getting paid and contract aside, and let's actually start with the contract. So he's owed over $30 million at this point through over the next two seasons. So you're already paying him. But contract aside, there's I don't think there's a better alternative. And I think that's how they see it too. Because, I mean, I guess Eli White could get those at-bats. And he's a great player. I guess Nick Solak could. But Eli White's kind of the same player as Sam Hilliard, right? In terms of like the defense and, you know, being able to have all the different tools. And Kevin Pillar's on that roster. Then it gets a little bit redundant. And sure, you should say, oh, you could say like, okay, take the best 26. But releasing Ozuna, I get why he's a very polarizing figure for Braves fans. But I don't think releasing him, like I don't think his situation is the end of the world. 
because the Braves starters, they play every day, right, Jay? Like these guys post. Yep. And Eli White in the three weeks he was up for Michael Harris, 14 at bats. So what that tells you is that 24th, 25th, 26th man on the bench, they're not playing a ton because the starters play every day. And the fourth outfielder might play, but even then, like now Sam Hillard and Kevin Pillar are probably going to platoon and left, you would think, uh, that Brian Snicker would have the opportunity to do that. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to for them. Like I don't think they see it as the end of the world because at the worst case, when Darno comes back, everybody's healthy. You can just sit Ozuna on the bench until he gives you reasons to play him. Like I think you're already paying him and it's difficult to make the argument that he's killing you because when he plays, he's batting seventh or eighth and your lineup is so good. You're still, what are they now? 18 and eight, 18 and nine, I should say they're in first place in the NL East. So it's tough to make the argument that he's killing you. And Mar- so Marcelo Zuna, by all accounts, like doesn't cause problems in the clubhouse is a good teammate. His coaches like him. Like you heard sites there. That was seemed pretty genuine. Like I know they're not going to badmouth him publicly, but it seemed pretty genuine about him having a good heart. He's just not causing those issues, and because you can sit him on the bench, it doesn't make sense to DFA him quite yet. Now it's it's also not not obviously not to the Marcelo Zuna situation, but it's been a bad week for AJ Minner. Didn't go great against the Astros, and things really got out of hand against the Marlins on Thursday. This is the point in time where you have to you have to look yourself in the mirror when you get up in the morning and. You have to determine, you know, am I going to keep going and fighting, pushing, and, or you're just going to, you know, you're, you're going to give in. So, yeah, with that being said, I mean, I'm, I've been through a lot worse. <laughs> so this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear this one on the chin and get back out there and just keep working, and uh, that's all I can do. His ERA is up over eight now. What went wrong here, and is there any reason for long-term concern? I don't think so. And I'm already feeling the tomatoes coming at me and people saying that I'm, you know, carrying the water for him or whatever. Here's how I look at this. Over three bad outings, over three and two-thirds, you know, innings, he's given up like 10 runs, right? 10 earned runs, I think it is. That's really bad. His ERA is inflated. I even looked back at the last couple of years. Even if he struggled, he hasn't had a stretch like this. That's looked this bad on paper on the lines. But two of those were Jordan Alvarez. And he struggled in that Houston outing otherwise. But the first one was a cutter away that Jordan put into right the right center field seats. That was a really good pitch. Uh, the second one was a cutter low in a way that he hit into right field for a two-run single. I mean, I just, I don't think everybody's hitting those. But then you go to the Miami outing. Cutter, you know, in the middle, 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 belt high. The location wasn't good. And AJ even said that after the game. He wasn't locating where he wanted to. That was an issue. I just think that he's he's too good to keep going through this. Like, I think he's too good to have a down 2023 20, season. Like, I, I think he's going to snap out of it. He'll be fine. And look, he won't have to, you know, it, it'll, it might lighten up a little the workload when Rysel Iglesias comes back and he, you know, moves back to the setup role um, and pitches there. I just, I don't think there's a ton of reason for long-term concern I think you can look at this and be like, yeah, it's it's really bad. Wow, this is this is awful. But baseball is a game of failure. Relievers go through this. Um, he wouldn't be the first reliever to struggle like this. He's not going to be the last. It just looks bad because it's in the span of one week. All right, coming up next after we get through with this doubleheader on Monday with the Mets, Brace head down to Miami to face the Marlins again for three, and then. Back home, first look at the Orioles, and guess who has the same record as the Braves as we record this? Baltimore's 18-9, too. And looking good. That youth movement has, so far, really paid off for them. Adley Rushman is a very, very good baseball player. They have good pitching. I like the roster. Baltimore fans deserve something good. After so many years of bad baseball there, they're passionate. Look like these guys, they made the most of their drafts, and now these players are coming up, and they've they've got a really good record. 
You want me to add one NL surprise to the mix for you? Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. So they're actually in a rain delay as we speak right now for their Sunday game. They're in D.C. Of course, they're in a rain delay. Um, 20 and 8 entering Sunday, entering that series finale against the Nationals. That uh, I, I can see it with the Orioles because they have talent. I, ca- I could not see it with Pittsburgh. They didn't get rid of Reynolds, and now they paid him. Yeah, and they've got McCutcheon. I mean, you obviously have to pitch well to have a good start like that. It uh, something something's brewing in Pittsburgh. I mean, they're hoping to turn the corner too. I'm not sure if it's going to be with you know a lot of these guys, but um, they're playing well. All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. Do we? Uh, did you? Did you just write down where Soroka? And I feel like that's the one I get in my mentions every single day. Uh, like well, could- well, yeah, you just kind of hold that one over in the corner. But, yeah, we, you got a few of those mentions. Uh, so we'll go ahead and um, start with that one from uh, Anna Huffstutler. We'll need a starter on Friday since this messes up the rotation. What are the odds that that man is Mike Soroka? Yeah, I mean, I would say he's got a shot just because Friday would be regular rest for him. Um, but on Sunday for Gwinnett, he allowed eight runs, seven of them earned on 10 hits over three innings. Now, he struck out a batter, but he hit two. Um, of the 10 hits, actually only one of them was an extra base knock. Uh, that was a double. But yeah, he got knocked around pretty good. He's not the first pitcher to have a rough outing uh, in AAA. Um, there, there can be a lot of wild ones, but it just depends on how much the Braves weigh that result versus the rest of them. He entered with a 1-3-2 ERA over his first three starts um, before Sunday's outing. So, I mean, I would say he's got a shot just because he'll be on regular rest. And with the off days coming up, they can reset the rotation after that. So I don't think it'll be a long stay, uh, if I'm thinking of that correctly. Um, so, I mean, hey, if they want to see what Soroka's got, they throw him out there. They already saw what Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd could do for them. So maybe they do go Soroka. Next up from uh, Ned Flames. Are they going to call up a starter as the 27th man on Monday? No, I don't think so because they've got, you know, they've got Strider going game one, Morton going game two. I think I have that. Yep, that's right. So it'll be a reliever. But yeah, they've got their two starters for Monday. And because they went with those two, that's why, as Anna mentioned, they're going to need a starter for Friday because nobody's going to be on regular rest for that start. The doubleheader throws a quirk into things. And then assuming they stay online, Jay, it would be Elder Tuesday in Miami, Wright Wednesday in Miami, Freed Thursday in Miami, and then we're going to see that big old TBA for this week. All right, next up from Center Wing, any update on Iglesias? Yeah, um, Jay, do we start with the baseball oddity first or the standard what, whatever people want to know? Oh, yes. I like odd things. We'll lead with that. All right. So Rysel Iglesias on Thursday began a rehab assignment, and he threw a scoreless inning with one strikeout, and he threw 12 pitches, and eight of them were strikes. <laughs> I had to check this next part three times to make sure nobody was playing tricks on me. On Sunday, his second rehab outing, one scoreless inning, one strikeout, 12 pitches, eight strikes. Same exact thing. So what you know, what would be next is Brian Snicker on Friday said that Iglesias, he doesn't, didn't think he would need back-to-back appearances or to do a back-to-back uh, in, in order to be activated. It seems like he's nearing a return now. Because he hasn't pitched in so long, maybe they give him another one. But at a, at a certain point, you, you, know, you want the innings to come in the big leagues uh, if you know he's ready. So I would think we're going to see him pretty soon. From Jeffrey Brower, an update on Travis Darno. I hope he's okay. Yeah, so they're being cautious with him. He was able to work out at City Field on Friday, and Brian Snicker said they took him through a few more things um, in that workout. Uh, and so checking a few more boxes. He's taken batting practice. Um, so, I mean, they're just... It's it's clear they're being cautious, but he's obviously getting closer and closer. Uh, and it's more about, as Snit has said, how he responds to certain things than how he looks during them, um, how he feels after. You know, I don't know how close he is or how far away he would be. It's it's tough to tell because they're just taking it so slow with them, him for good reason with the concussion history. 
All right, last one from Aegon. Is Arcea as close to returning as he claimed he was, and is Grissom expected to go down when Arcea is back? Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a guy, I think he just wants to play, <laughs> which which I don't, I don't blame him. <laughs> he was playing really well and had a starting job. Um, I Snit has said that if Arcea can play, even if it's with a little pain, but if there's nothing he's going to re-aggravate through that pain, that he will play through through pain. Um, but he was wearing a splint when we talked to him last week, and I don't think you can swing a bat with the splint or take. You know, he's going to need to get that off. I would think to put a glove on to start swinging, um, to do baseball activities, he's going to have to get out of that splint. Going to have to swing a bat, I guess, before he would start that. And Arcia said that. Well, he didn't know whether he would be activated at the, you know, I mean, God, the team comes home Friday. So, or whether he would start a rehab assignment, then he hoped for either of those two. It's up to the team. I I think that's a, maybe a little ambitious, but I mean, I don't want to not believe in the guy, but I just, I, I think that maybe it's the field a little bit by how much he wants to play because we, he just started, um, Running the other, he just got out of his cast on. Uh, it was Tuesday, so he just got in that splint. So, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it just seems like that would be a very sped up timeline to swing, and you would think he would need to play rehab games. So, I, it might be a little ambitious, but I don't want to be wrong there. Yeah. So, whenever Arcia comes back, uh, Part B. What about Grissom? Yeah, I mean, he's playing well, right? He's had a couple nice defensive plays, but really the bat has played for them um, and the bat to ball skills are showing. I just think to me, looking from the outside, looking at, I don't know this, this is my own speculation. He probably goes down to Gwinnett because there was nothing to solve. They sent him down there initially so he could get reps at shortstop, right? If Orlando Arce is on the roster and playing every day, Von Grissom's not going to get those reps. And I don't think it's worth Von Grissom you know, DHing, being in that DH rotation or sitting on the bench just to have him on the big league roster is a very valuable player. I just think you want him to develop the best he can and as much as he can and get as many innings at shortstop as he can. Because this guy, who knows, he could still be the shortstop of the future if he improves and might one day be a better long-term player than Orlando Arcia. So you don't want to deny him that development just yet. So I would think that he goes down, but I don't know that for sure. All right, wrapping things up here with winners of the week. My winner of the week is Spencer Strider. And I'm going to say that because it has seemed so normal for him to check off these historical things or be in the record books already. But once you look at it, you're like, wow, this is a 24, 25 year old kid doing this. And he is on one day, you know, if he wins a Cy Young, wins a couple, he's going to be on a Hall of Fame track. He's got that sort of talent to do that. And it seems like he goes out there every time, and you wonder, how is the other team going to score three runs off of him? He, You can't string hits off of him. You got to get him quickly. And passing John Smoltz for the most you know, nine strikeout, consecutive nine strikeout games, eyeing Nolan Ryan, Spencer Strider's had really, really good company since he came up to the big leagues, and um, he's my winner of the week. I was going to go with uh, the new era cap company because uh... – the Homer hat's gone, but uh, I'll go with Michael Harris. The, uh, the the rookie of the year is back, and he's hitting ninth in the Braves order. Man, that's a uh, that's a good order. Then uh, new era, man. It's um, you know what I think. Why didn't they just make a big hat of their own? <laughs> that's my same question. It's well, just the question and the solution is in the answer. Like it, they could have swapped it, it out, and nobody would have noticed. They, I mean, they couldn't do this. This would be bad and un, unlawful but what about like if they sent a little new era patch and just had them stitch it on that would be so <laughs> yeah, funny it wouldn't be their hat so that would be no. unlawful but they should have just made their own big hat had the braves wear it and be like here wear something with a new era thing on the side it did that that did not make much sense to me if you're just catching up though the braves wore the big hat they loved wearing the big hat fun little celebration as teams do for home runs New Era stepped in and nixed it because the big hat, which was thrown to a couple of Braves players by fans on the Braves walk before the home opener, is not a New Era cap. And New Era is the official on-field cap sponsor of Major League Baseball. Do we, do we have any nominations for the big hat supplement? Uh, 
I would say, okay, so they've had swords. So one team has like a trident. When I covered the Mets, they had a home run horse for a little bit. <laughs> it was like, a, it was so, <laughs> it was, that one was pretty funny. How about, how about the home run? Well, no, you couldn't do this. I was going to say the sombrero, a sombrero or something It's been like taken. That. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you do? Like you had the swords, you had the home run hat. What about, okay, the Padres did a chain a couple years ago. I'm trying to think of. What it's about, gonna take some work. What, the, yeah, this is what the Braves are probably doing with their two days off is solving this problem. Exactly. They can't do a tomahawk, right? Because that wouldn't be very like they. They. I think they might get. Don't want to go down that road. Yeah, they might get in some hot water for that. So they like couldn't do anything of that sort. Obviously, I think. I think they're gonna come up with something good. We'll see. It's gonna be something we don't expect. If you have a suggestion on how the Braves can solve uh, this problem, tweet it, Justin, or uh, if you're on Spotify, there's a comment section down below. Uh, please offer your feedback, and we'll uh, we'll try to get it to uh, the marketing people where it needs to go. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, geez, did did we was a podcast long enough for these people to listen? To for those of you hanging busy? around, uh, we appreciate it. We will take your suggestions seriously. How can I do a winner of the week too? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Downtown Atlanta. Which this weekend hosted the Hawks, Janet Jackson, who got rescheduled because of the Hawks, the Hawks, and Taylor Swift for three days. And all the Swifties, all the Taylor Swift's fans, downtown Atlanta, man. I Center, center of the universe this weekend. Yep. And then the Braves will be back uh, in, uh, in northwest Atlanta, Cobb County, on uh, Friday. So that's where we will uh, wrap it up here. So uh, Justin, enjoy New York. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, man. Just going to go get some lunch and see... See what happens and uh, cross our fingers as we're doing this. Hopefully we get two in tomorrow and uh, we'll see you from Truist Park next week after Jay. Our next podcast recording is after that famed 1135 Peacock game. That's right. We're going to bang that one out uh, nice and early, hopefully. So uh, if you enjoyed uh, this hour-long uh, presentation, please rate, review, follow, share the show. Check out the show notes uh, for uh, links to anything that Justin writes if you want uh, more in-depth coverage on the Braves. And also, uh, to if you have not joined our community yet, please subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. You get three months of unlimited digital access for 99 cents. That's it. Braves Report comes out every Monday or whenever major news breaks. So we'll see you again next week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers. So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.